Welcome everyone to the show requirement here on the Gazebo Effect podcast. I'm David Gonzalez and I'm joined by my co-host Spencer Price. It's glad to be back once more. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done an episode. Uh, you know, we're finally back uh, following our writing room series over the Marauders. and But today, we're not pitching anything new. We're not necessarily reviewing a specific content. Thank or, God, <laughs> right? Or doing anything of that sort, giving you information that you may not know. This is simply a conversation just about one of the best characters, I feel, in the Harry Potter kind of wizarding world, which is Albus Dumbledore. And specifically, we're going to be talking about the different actors that have played him throughout the films, you know, over the span of, you know, the last 15 years. And because here's why we're talking about it. They all brought something unique to their portrayal of Dumbledore. They all are different in their own ways. um, But they also bring something that I think Spencer and I really enjoy in every single one of their portrayals. And just so we don't, we don't sound like noobs here. It's Albus, Percival, Wolfric, Brian, Dumbledore. No, I'm a noob. (laughs) I did the I did, I I did the fingers as I walked through, <laughs> just for all of you all of you listeners, because we don't have a video version of this. We we don't not yet. Ooh, but yeah, I think I think honestly, David and I's favorite character is Dumbledore. I think we both agree on that. Dumbledore, at least, is he's always in my top three or five. I think I shift it so often, but obviously, as you know from the writing room, Lupin's up there, but Dumbledore is like. Just such a central character to Harry Potter. Yeah, and I think for me, he's not necessarily my number one, but he's like number two, at least. I think Snape is still my favorite character just overall, just his entire story. Newt Scamander is up there now because I've I've actually been rewatching the Fantastic Beasts. And and (laughs) this I don't think this comes as a shock, but when I was rewatching the first one, I said, This is great. Like this is awesome. Like, I love this movie. It had so many good things about it. And Newt was one of my favorite characters. But Dumbledore, especially reading the books, was probably one of my favorite characters just because of how much we dived into him in those books. That he he's just, he'll, he'll always be in my top two, I think. And I think if you think about it, he's like, he's really only in, because I think they're saying something like, uh, Draco Malfoy is only in like 25 minutes of all of the Harry Potter movies or something like that. If you add it all up. Wow. And he's, I feel like he's in a fair bit of it, but like, so how much is Dumbledore? Maybe, maybe 30 or 40 minutes, but in a lot of cases, yeah. not every case and not for every actor, but they, he steals a lot of the scenes that he's in and that in the book, it's definitely like that. Like Dumbledore shows up and he's kind of pause take a deep breath and then read what Dumbledore has to say, you know, or, or he's what he's doing. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think when we, when we talk about his presence in the books and in the films, I think just the name Dumbledore sounds powerful. For sure. I think he strikes a weird, he strikes like two different chords a lot of the time where he's like the most powerful. He's the uh, warlock. That's what I was going to say most powerful warlock of like all time but he's also like this whimsical guy with a with half moon spectacles and like weird hats and super long cloaks and uh as we'll talk about it some actors 
strike play those different chords better than others yeah but let's go ahead and let's just talk about the first person to portray albus dumbledore absolutely richard harris richard harris uh he portrayed uh albus dumbledore in the first two harry potter films the sorcerer's stone or the philosopher philosopher's stone if you're one of those people uh and the chamber of secrets uh, what's interesting about Richard Harris, I think, is the fact that he really did not want to be a part of these films. Um, I kind of feel like Gambit didn't either, but <laughs> right, but not because right. he he hated the story or anything like that. It was nothing like that. Um, but for Richard Harris, it was because he has this fear that I think is very very wise and smart. The fact if he takes a role such as this everything else that he's done in his career will be kind of looked over and he'll only be known for this. And that was his biggest fear because he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor in The Sporting Life and Camelot as King Arthur. Uh, and in his entire career, he was known as one of the greatest Irish actors of all time. So he had an established career by the time he was offered this role. And he says, I, I kind of don't want to be associated with that because of all the things that I've done. But apparently his like granddaughter said that she would never speak to him again if he didn't take this role. So that's like, that's why he did it. She'd probably get over it if he didn't. But you know, it's fine. Well, yeah. Yeah. But especially if you like, if you read these books even before the films came out and you said, man, I think this would be cool like to do this and if you if you had the opportunity and didn't take it like you might look at it year down the road years later and be like man i could have been i could have been that guy uh and his his portrayal i think is the the most interesting just be just in comparison to michael gambin um because i think richard harris would have had difficulty down the line and yes. when it when we think about Order the Phoenix and the battle with Dumbledore, but also everything that needed to happen in Half Blood Prince, um, like he was up there in age. Right. Exactly. So he couldn't pull it off. I don't think he was going to be able to pull it off once we got. By the time we got there, it, I don't. It just wouldn't have been possible. And I feel like they didn't. Yeah, I feel like they didn't anticipate that. But also. No. They didn't, I don't think all of the books were even out when the first movie came out. Right. And so they didn't know yeah. how much action Dumbledore was going to have. And they didn't really know. You never really know when an actor's like, what, how long they're going to keep going. Because I think, um, what's his name? Christopher Plummer. He was like, just, go, he was still going hard. And then like before he passed away, just like a few days ago. Yeah. But he made it and like also much longer than you'd think he would have so yeah and imagine what and for another example of that if people you know their their death kind of changes plans on what happens um someone like carrie fisher who obviously was general general leo organa you know i think they had huge huge plans for her in the rise of skywalker and every, i think the plans just shifted and it had to i mean she i think she was the one of the most important parts for ben solo's arc coming back to ben solo from being kylo ren but her death you know just changed things and changed ideas possibly and so yeah you're right you don't ever know what's going to happen and so for richard harris down the line being once at you know after the fact once we've seen all the films and what dumbledore has done 
I don't think he would have been able to pull it off. But in the first two films that he was in and the role that he needed to play, I think he did a really, really great job in being the kind soul in Harry's life uh, with the ability to be humorous when he needed to. Uh, like, especially when you think about the scene with Harry in the hospital wing, he, he's having conversations and then he's eating the earwax flavored bean. You know, he really set the tone for, I think, who Dumbledore should be and maybe would not have taken the creative liberties that Michael Gambon did to is in his portrayal especially in the goblet of fire i'm going to i'm going to talk about that later so don't worry yes yeah. but i think another scene that you didn't write down that i just thought of that we have to talk about with richard harris is the the mirror of erised in the sorcerer's oh, stone man. yeah like that sure. was e- easily one of his best scenes um and i think sorcerer's stone gave dumbledore a lot better moments than chamber of secrets does anyway like if I think about Chamber of Secrets, he's not in it much, and and like no. even in the book, and so I think, like he says, the help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it, which I guess I'll, I'll come back to that too. But that's really the only yeah. line from Chamber of Secrets that I can even think of that he has really. Yeah, there's just there's not a lot there, and so but Sorcerer's that's Stone why is when great. I right, but that's why when I say when when he's on screen and. When he's asked to do something, I feel like he does the best job that he possibly could. It's just unfortunate that, like, in those first two movies and in those first two books, there's not really a lot for him to do. I feel like some of... I'm a Michael Gambon fan myself. And so that does change how I feel about Richard Harris, I think, a little bit. But I think some of his lines do fall a little flat. I don't know why necessarily like i think like in the first one when he says like i would trust hagrid with my life it's just like i I don't know i don't know how i don't know how to feel about how he delivered that line versus how i read it in the book for example or like the earwax he's like alas earwax but it's like what (laughs) who says it he just says it like that but dumbledore does (laughs) i guess dumbledore does but like i don't know i just don't I feel like he'd give a little wink or like a chuckle or something. I don't know. I'm not Dumbledore myself, so. <laughs> and <laughs> and I think say? that's just Michael Michael Gambit's betrayal that because he does those things. He he does those little yeah. You know, so I'm looking at it through like that, that lens for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of most people don't, and I I yeah. I'm probably I feel like I get dragged through the mud on some of my opinions, and this will be one of them. But that's okay. It's fine. And that's what we're here for. We're, we're here. just here for mug dragging. Yeah, exactly. Of Spencer Price. That's actually what's going to be what, what's going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> it's just mug dragging of Spencer Price. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm not going to say what our next episode is here, but I think it's going to be more. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's my but, turn. Anyway, next time's my turn. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to say it is your turn yeah. uh, because we're going to let's just go ahead and transition into Michael Gambon. Um, his portrayal for me was good in a lot of areas. But Spencer, you have I think you've been on the record on this podcast, even probably very briefly talking about his portrayal in other in other Harry Potter movies. Um, so I'm just going to let you kind of talk a little bit about him and then see how much mud I can drag on you. Okay. So 
So I know what you want me. I know what listeners are wanting me to say, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make them I'm gonna make them wait. I'm gonna have to build suspense here a little bit because we gotta talk about all of his performances, right? So I think the I kind of made it. I was trying to make a pros and cons list, but it just ended up being walking through every movie he's done. But the first two are definitely cons. So his beginnings were a little rough. Um, I don't know much about the recasting process. I tried to read and really it was just like, Richard Harris passed away from Hodgkin's disease. It's very unfortunate. And Michael Gammon came in. That's it. So I don't think they really considered many other people. Of course, he's a very famous Irish actor. Ian McKellen was considered at the very beginning, um, but I think he said no. So that's why I had Richard Harris. Yeah, he, well, I think I think it's really funny also why he said no. Um, because Richard Harris that. himself, Richard Harris himself, uh, actually said that he was like a dreadful actor, and so uh, Ian McKellen was just like, "I'm not going to do it." And like you said, like he was Gandalf, so um, no he's way. like, "I'm already doing something along those lines. There's no wrong. way I can do it." But also, like the Harris family, they actually liked Peter O. Tooley, I think is or or Tool. I think that's how you say his last name. Um, he was actually their hand chosen pick to be Dumbledore. And if you don't know who that is, he was involved in a number of films, oh, TV to shows, not Richard just Harris. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And not just as an on screen actor, but he also voiced. He was a voice actor in Sherlock Holmes, and he was the critic in Ratatouille. Um, Michael Gambon also took over from a show that Richard Harris was on as the same character. So I thought hmm. that was really interesting, but he's also an Irish actor, that is. which is nice. Um, he's famous for his role in Othello, which is 1965. Um, but he's also done a lot of, <laughs> he's done a lot of stuff after that as well. He was yeah. in the King's speech briefly. He was, he's done a ton of stuff in the last 10 years or so, but back to it. I feel like prisoner of Azkaban is easily a lot of people's favorite. And I, I love it as well. I think it's the last kind of whimsical Harry Potter book slash movie. And I think no, I agree the with only that. reason it's, and it's, it's definitely like that in the book. The only reason it's not like that in, in tone sometimes in the movie is just the director's choice. But I'm so thankful for the director of Harry, Prisoner of Azkaban, but that's another episode topic. Anyway, he's on and off. Like he's, he's, I, I watched some of the scenes to prepare for this. And his first, the first time we see Michael Gimm and Dumbledore, it's after uh, the Dementors, Lupin and then there's the weird toad choir that's just out out of way past left field <laughs> yeah. and then michael gammon shows up he's like here i am you know <laughs> so i'm sure michael gammon he's kind of seems like this no nonsense kind of guy he's pretty he's i've seen some behind the scenes stuff he's a pretty funny dude but he definitely doesn't he's like this amazing actor but at the same time he's always said that he doesn't really portray a character like he's the opposite of like Ian McKellen or uh, help me out here who played Count Dooku and Saruman Christopher Lee yeah he's not a Christopher Lee he's not an Ian McKellen in that way he's an amazing thespian but he's like they're just adaptations of myself you know and mm -hmm. and he and notably he's famous for having not read the books but also there's some directors who didn't read the book. As we'll get back to in a second. Yeah. And so he said the reason that he didn't do it, which I kind of honor him for that, is he was be like, if I read the books, then I would be mad about all these scenes of mine that got cut. And that's not good for anybody. And I think that's fair to a degree. And also he's like, I'm not reading this book. I'm like, 
I'm a grown, grown a man, you know. <laughs> but I think he's good where it counts in Prisoner of Azkaban. Sometimes he's called falls flat, but again, he's kind of not doing much different than the last Dumbledore movie. <laughs> but he's good where it counts. So I think there's the scene where they're all sleeping in the the main hall, and he's like talking about the the dreams. Of course, there's like a yeah. Of course, like him and Snape like pulled a prank behind the scenes. So I kind of chuckle every oh, time. Oh man, I see that, that scene. that's still one of my that's one of my favorite like behind the scenes stories that we got from Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> they just put a put like a fart machine or uh, in, yeah. in Daniel Radcliffe's sleeping bag, and like it was going off while they were recording. He, he kept going, like Michael Gammon kept going, but Alan <laughs> Michael Rickman Gam- lost yes. it. That's just fantastic, you know. <laughs> So he does that whole like famous Dumbledore like in our dreams we enter a world that's entirely our own. Uh, and then yeah. of course the the kind of biggest Dumbledore scene is him talking to Hermione and Harry. Of course Harry doesn't oh, understand yeah. anything that's going on, but he's telling Hermione all these things and he's like three, three turns, turns should, should do, it. do it. And he like winks. Fantastic. Yes. That was pristine. Of course. Uh-huh. And then like at the, after that he's like, We did it, Professor. He's like, Did what? <laughs> so fast preserve ask fan he's really not in it too much um and it's kind of on and off it's not it's kind of a con mostly then we got to talk about goblet of fire there's a lot of spice about this movie mike newell was the director he did uh four weddings and a funeral or four funerals and a wedding i always get it mixed up and <laughs> he didn't read the book for one the last director had read the book and he made Harry, Hermione, and Ron write essays about their characters. Yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban director. Just, hmm. just a great man. Anyway, he wanted to make Goblet of Fire part one, part two. And then he was like, oh, I can make this big movie-making masterpiece if I make it all one thing. And so, whatever. It didn't work out. You know, Goblet of Fire is a weird movie. It ha- everyone has mullets and doesn't make any sense. So, in a way... A lot of people get mad about the scene, which, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Dumbledore asked calmly. I don't I don't think that's entirely Michael Gambit's fault, but it's at least half his fault, if not more. But that whole movie is like, it's not just that scene. Like, that scene, of course, is frustrating, and it's like the most obvious divergence from the book. But there's so much cut from the book. And then there's like the scene with the uh, the pensieve where they're trying to like, oh, we got to make up for all this lack of ex. We have to make up for all of the scenes we cut with exposition about the Crouches, which you don't know who Guardian Crouch is because we've said his name like once in the last two hours. <laughs> and so then it doesn't really make any sense. But then also Michael. So then Michael Gaiman's like, I'm trying to find something I missed, a secret. It slips away. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't land at all. And it doesn't make any sense. I feel like Dumbledore in that movie specifically. He's at his worst for sure. He was more, he was more aggressive than he needed to be. Like you can look at the scene with, um, you know, Harry, did you put your name into the Goblet of Fire? When, when he's talking with Harry, you know, who just looked at the Pensieve. And even when you know, he's trying, I don't know if he tried to consult Harry after, you know, Barty Crouch Jr. makes his like 
appearance or whatever. He just everything he just does felt in the book, but not in, in that the, movie. He does in the book, but not in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I, and, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like you just could not tell what was going on. And I think you can say that just about the movie in its entirety. And for me, I would blame that on the director. Yeah. Because if, if, if Michael Gambon doesn't read the books, he's not going to know how to say each line. Not unless you tell him. And if you don't tell him and he's like that the entire movie, that has to be a director's choice. And I think also the there's just been a lot of rumors about the movie. And basically a lot of is what's being said online and stuff is that the producers kind of saved the movie. Like the movie that we got is only because the producers cared. Mm. But it's still not. Yeah. It's okay at best. Yeah, it's it's okay. I think, it's okay. I think Michael Gammon does have one good scene. And that's his speech on Cedric at the funeral. Mm. Cedric's funeral. Yeah. And I sure. think that shows more of what you said and that Gambin is is very prepared to take on the darker sides of Dumbledore and and just the more serious tones. Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah. he's an action Dumbledore. And that works really well in later movies but does not work well in these two. Yeah. And you also we also have to think about you, <laughs> this is a this is a new role for him. Right. So trying to figure out the kinks of the character and not having a director who's who's there to tell him, hey, this is who Dumbledore he doesn't is. Have a Chris this is what he needs to be. Right. He doesn't have someone who or, or even if you look at Hayden Christensen in Revenge of the Sith, George Lucas worked with him so hard to be like, this is what Anakin at this time, this is what he's feeling. This is the emotions that you need to have. OK, let's do take one. You and then you kind of critique him and be like, "It was good here, but this this is what I need more." Michael Gammon didn't ha- he didn't have anybody that cared that much to be to be faithful to the Dumbledore that we that we see later on. You know, I probably didn't have like the guts to approach him either because I feel like Michael Gammon right. is this yeah serious guy yeah. and he's kind of like give me direction or don't tell me anything. Give like mm-hmm. so. But that speech on Cedric is great. And and I think Goblet of Fire is a mess of a movie. And then they gave it to David Yates for Order of the Phoenix. And he, he chopped that one up just as much. So, gosh, it was a, it was a rough middle piece. For, for the books being some of the high points of the series, this was kind of a low point for the movie. Yeah, you really think about the, the Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix as books. They were so, so good. And then what we got from the Phil's just completely fell apart i mean ba- like in relation yeah to those i mean like friend of the podcast hudson Payne. happy birthday hudson happy birthday hudson he uh he always says order of the phoenix is by far the best book far and wide and i don't know if i agree with that but i appreciate that he has that opinion because the book is great but order of the phoenix yeah, it is dumbledore is really great in order of the phoenix and of course mm-hmm. just like the book he's not in much of it and so you know he does the he does the whole scene with the the court, obviously, does it well. Yeah, it's a serious scene. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's great. And then, I mean, you can't not talk about the escape from Hogwarts with the Phoenix. That is straight <laughs> ah, from the. I page. thought we'd hit this little snag. <laughs> yeah, 
what's the phrase? Come quietly. I have no intention of going mm. to Azkaban. It's great. And then Main Kingsley kind of fi- finishes the scene with Dumbledore's got style. Ah, uh, that's so good. Yeah. So that scene was great. And then, of course, like, you, Dumbledore versus Voldemort was one of the most cinematic mm-hmm. scenes, and they nailed it. Just absolutely. Oh, yeah. It was great. And then, like, the moments after where he's trying to, like, talk to Harry and console him through, like, basically demon possession. <laughs> I don't know a better way <laughs> to put way. it. In a way. Yeah. yeah, it's a little weird. In a way. It's a little cringy, but he does well in that, too. And there's a whole scene that kind of got, there's a whole Dumbledore and Harry scene that got cut from the movie. That's one of the best scenes in the entire book series where the Harry's just destroying everything in Dumbledore's office. Yeah. And I think that would have been great too. But all in all, just a great, pretty good movie. But Michael Gaiman is great. Uh, Michael, And then, of course, he kind of comes, he almost comes full circle. Like he gets, he gets more Dumbledore at the end. And so Half-Blood Prince is just fantastic. And I mean, he's great in the entire bloody thing. Like, fantastic performance from from start to finish. So he kind of ropes around that whimsical side of Dumbledore they didn't have. And I'm, I'm still like flabbergasted about like, where was this in Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire? Because he's so calm and he's so collected and he's not crazy and yelling, like not even once. But like right at the beginning, he's like, you know, all of his intro and getting Horace Slughorn. He's like, the tail is thrilling. I do love knitting patterns. <laughs> he's talking about how the pretty the girl was, just like all this great stuff. And then every Voldemort memory. I mean, he's just so patient. And then the cave sequences. It's the caliber of acting that Gambin was always prepared for. Not that Richard Harris wasn't, but he was, he's, Gambin did great. But then his death is tragic, but like him talking to Malfoy and trying to help him, like great handling that scene as well. It just builds, it builds that scene. Yeah. I mean, I guess another one I didn't write down that's, that's funny as well is the, the line where he's like, oh, to be young. The field loves King Sting. Loves King Sting. <laughs> yeah. This is great. And he has a lot of great one liners in Half Blood Prince. Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't like Half Blood Prince as a movie or a book. A lot of people say that, like nothing really happens, but I said everything happens. I love Half Blood Everything. Prince. Yeah. I, I love don't. Half-Blood yeah. Prince. So do I. So yeah. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand that. In the movie no. and, and it needed. See, this movie needed David Yates, but not all of them did. <laughs> it's another topic for another day yeah but just great and there's so many other things we could talk about with his performance in half-blood prince i think like oh i think like he i love his voice at the beginning where he's talking about voldemort and Her- in hogwarts when mm-hmm. he says like tom riddle it's just like like he kind of carries that he just does this whole speech just yeah great. well um, and, and even even helping with that just because I've actually just been listening to the soundtracks a lot lately. Like the track that's playing behind him saying yeah. Tom Riddle, man, just, Oh, it's you get like goosebumps. Tom yes. And then the, yeah. Like, Oh yeah. It's just so good. Okay. So now we talk about Deathly Hollows, which you're like, I know what you're thinking. Dumbledore's dead, but guess what? He's, he's still in this movie. 
a fair bit. And if you haven't liked anything I've said so far, and you haven't given Gambin an ounce of Dumbledore cred yet, I bring you King's Cross, except I didn't use freaking. It, I mean, yes, he is important in the Snape memories and helps deliver that exposition really well, but David, you would agree that ultimately Snape is the focus of those scenes. Yeah. And that's okay. But King's Cross is like, it's it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the last time we see Dumbledore in the movies, and Gambin makes every second count. Yeah. Like, he's talking yeah. about. There's no, no waste opportunity for Dumbledore to come back. And it's like, and everything that we've said where especially in the deathly hallows you can't miss yeah king's cross is just there, there's, there's no time for hit and miss right there and he he just delivers everything perfectly but he's talking about how like you know he's so nice to kind soul like he's got that kind richard harris kind of soul when he's talking yeah. to harry about like you were the horcrux voldemort never intended to make mm -hmm. and then of course like He's talking about, I love my, uh, I've always loved my ability to turn a phrase. Uh, and he's like, help will, give in, help will be given at Hogwarts to those who deserve it. And then at the end, where Dumbledore's last, pretty much last book in line, in the movie, he's not in the book. He talks through a painting in the book. It's not a big deal. He, Harry says, uh, Professor, is this all real? Or is it happening inside my head? Of course it's happening inside your head, Harry. But who's to say that isn't real? Mm. and that's just such a good line and that's that's my defense of michael gambin i think goblet of fire is painful um a lot of it prisoner of Azkaban's okay but the rest of it he did a really great job mm -hmm. yeah which then brings us to the last person that we see portray an adult dumbledore you know we we have one that you know, a, a teenager who who does, you know, the flashbacks and that kind of stuff, especially with Grindelwald. But I think in this move and at this time, like Jude Law is the next guy. He's the current Dumbledore, um, basically. Yes. He's an accomplished actor with an insane resume. He was Dr. Watson in Sherlock Holmes. He was in Captain Marvel. Even had a s successful course, stage Captain career. Captain Marvel was after, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um but he had a successful stage career. He received Tony Award nominations for Les Parents, Terribles, and Hamlet. It's almost like um, you have to and... be in a Shakespeare play to play Dumbledore, it seems. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but here's what I'll say for Jude Law. I think I, I love Jude Law just as an actor, period. Uh, I think he's just really, really great at what he does. But as a young Dumbledore, he excels at bringing something new to the table. Um which is emotion, the emotional Dumbledore, a, a Dumbledore that is heartbroken to a certain extent uh, with his sister, but also with Grindelwald, you know, a, a friendship that was ruined and destroyed by Grindelwald's just his, his desire for power. And it doesn't matter what the cost is. Um, and so Jude Law, what he does really good in the second Fantastic Beasts film is bringing a Dumbledore who is emotional. You know, he he. You can see it in his face. You, you see the relationship that he has with New, pushing him to be what Dumbledore probably feels that he can't be at that point in time. Um, and and so I love I love Jude Law as a young Dumbledore. 
Yeah, I think there's some some break in that. It's kind of like, how is he going to end up being Richard Harris in the flashback in Chamber of Secrets only a couple of years oh, yeah. after? But if you don't think about that too much, it's okay. And I think he's reeling after his sister's death, which was probably very recent or decently yeah. recent. And he's not yeah. talking to his family at all. He's lost the closest relationship he's had, which was Grindelwald. Very recently, he's got a blood pact. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's almost like he's not, it's, it's kind of like Newt becomes the Dumbledore kind of at the end there. Like he's like, he's getting, he's the one. And I think we'll see that in the next one where he's getting Dumbledore to come back and be who he needs to be. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's really cool to see. And I think Jude Law is great. And he's also teaching defense against the dark arts, which doesn't really make any sense. But I think based on that time, he was probably teaching transfiguration or charms, but he could teach anything. Yeah. We're talking about here. Yeah. He could pretty much do whatever. I like him as a defense against the dark arts teacher. Uh, He reminds me probably because they were going over boggards, but he reminds me a little bit too much like Lupin in that scene. Right. Uh, He could have totally played Lupin in hindsight also yeah um but so i i kind of wish that we would have seen him teaching something else but for what they were trying to accomplish i see you know why they made that decision and honestly i could care less uh i just i just love seeing a professor dumbledore teaching a class uh and not students just being not a headmaster but students just being in love with being in his class like it's a fun thing to be in dumbledore's class um he pushes you but he's fair and he makes it fun and and i mean i i I loved it as every harry potter fan knows in 2021 uh jk rowling hiccups and she changes the entire continuity so yeah yeah that's too true of a statement we've we've been over that several fantastic piece i can't i just have to sit back and just I don't even know, let it wash over me. Just like, that's like standing in the rain for me, kind of. But not in, yeah. it's not in a good way. <laughs> I don't know. We we may have to do an episode to where I just We're gonna talk defend about Fantastic, Fantastic we Beasts. We will talk about Fantastic Beasts sometime. But, and there's a lot to love about it. But, <sighs> so, yes, yes. Jacob is amazing, guys. He's amazing. Jacob's the best part. But, we, well, Newt, maybe, but Newt, Newt's he's amazing too. But like Jacob is, I I like I laughed like out loud when I was watching the movie, based on what Jacob was doing. Like his look, <laughs> like those kinds of things. Like I was just bawling my eyes out. It was so good. But Jude Law, it's great Dumbledore. I'm really excited yeah. to. I hope it's not five movies, but if it is five movies, I'll be patient. I want to see Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. It's like we're building to that. And so eventually we'll have to see that where he gets the Elder Wand from Grindelwald. I just want four. Only four. I want three or four. I could sit through four, but I would rather just this one be the last one. I'm okay with that, too. Also, I, now that I'm okay I think about it, too. Jude Law versus Mads Mikkelsen's gonna be. I don't know how I feel about that. I like that. I like that. I think it'll be fine. I, I just I like Mads. Fine, I, I like Mads very much, though. He's just the best like as an actor, you could, you could. Yeah. 
and he's he's really good at at turning the evil on like yeah he's just so good at what he does i but again i'm also the same person who really liked johnny depp i just like continuity you know yeah it's not even that i like johnny depp that much Mm -hmm. and the blondes the blonde didn't make any sense i still don't i still don't understand (laughs) yeah continuity is, is good but I think for it's recastings, good. as far as recastings go, I think Michael Gambon was good. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of up there. I don't know of the best recastings I can think of, but Don Cheadle's Rhodes was a good one too. Yes, as yeah. Rhodes and I no, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, but he, but Michael Gambon, especially with it being like over death, like you, you have to recast, and so they did a good job mm-hmm. there. And then yeah. Jude Law playing a young one was great. So I think we've had great Dumbledores. Yeah. I don't even know. Personally, Michael Gambon is top. And then I don't know about... They can't really rank Jude Law in there. So it's really Michael Gambon and Richard Harris. Because Jude Law is a different thing. So I don't really rank him that way. But a lot of people yeah, is Richard and Harris, and that's okay. Honestly, I just I just choose not to rank them. I think yeah. they... I think that's fair, too. The recasting wasn't... Like they had to do it. It wasn't because um, he was impossible to work with. It wasn't because they just felt like his acting was flat. It, I mean, a death happened. Um, exactly. We don't. We won't know how he would have done later on because of that. But in terms of what what they did, I think you can respect everything that each one of these actors did for Dumbledore, and that to me. I just I need to see something more from Jude Law before I could even you know not even not even like rank them but just to like have yeah just to put him in the same category as like but I think what he's done so far it has been very very good and I'm really also satisfied there hasn't been really any big recastings in the series Mm -mm. other than this one Um, they did recast. They did some weird ones, some oddball ones. Like they recasted Lavender Brown because of like basically just race. Like it's all good, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also why? <laughs> just don't flip. Just don't mm-hmm. change it up. You know why change it up? But that's okay too, I guess. But really, that's yeah. like even that. That's the only one off the top of my head I could think they did. So yeah, you know, yeah. still love Harry Potter. There's just some weird points. <laughs> So, guys, I'm I'm I have to say I find myself saying that every episode. It's not it's not healthy. Everyone's gonna think I hate Harry Potter at some point. I I will say in this show, there's there's two there's two sides to the coin. I think I like to say I'm more I'm more positive, and I'm I'm willing to overlook quite a few things, uh, especially if I really enjoy like a certain part of Harry Potter. Like that's why I think I like fantastic beast so much is because there's just so many things i like about it um and so i'm willing to overlook a lot of things that people will criticize as we've said before i think for me it's kind of like i have to put them in a different mindset where like almost like fantastic beasts and cursed child are like the my my star wars legends for harry potter like they're my harry potter legends (laughs) 
and even yeah and it's not that i'm just like blatantly throwing them away it helps me enjoy mm-hmm. them more because it's a different way of looking at harry potter but right that's definitely well, off topic. I, yeah but it, it it that needs to be said too just because you know not everything is great and it it's okay to be honest about that um the the important thing and and why you know this year we added the kind of the tagline of fandoms done right is yes there's room for us to critique and criticize and and not enjoy everything but when we <laughs> when we become toxic fans that's where we just like okay maybe podcast. you yeah maybe maybe you have the problem and you need to get that figured out that that's kind of the attitude that I think we take in terms of you know talking about these kinds of things and i like that we all have kind of these different opinions because like like you were saying david how you feel about harry potter that's me with the dc universe most of the time mm-hmm. with like the Snyder yeah. movies like snyder cut like i'm all in but most people aren't and that's cool you know yeah so absolutely well thanks everybody for listening today for us ramble and talk a little bit about dumbledore yeah well and unfortunately this is going to be Unless I'm mistaken, this is going to be the last show requirement episode. No, we have one more. In a long time. Yeah, it'd probably be, it. probably be the only one. But we're we're working on stuff. So don't, don't dismay. Yeah, don't dismay. We'll be back, especially in season four. Uh, we got an exciting announcement for season four that's possibly happening. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We will see. But. On behalf of David Gonzalez, this is Spencer Price on the show of Requirement, Mischief Managed.